Good morning, New Life. Good morning, family. How many of you are really, really excited to hear the word of the Lord today? God does have a word. He does have a word, and he brings a word to us week by week and every day, every single day. Um, we're still in the series of coming alive, and uh, this week has been really, really interesting. How, how many of you are, um, God is speaking to you through this fast? How many of you are beginning to come alive? How many of you are having your hearts and your minds stirred up? If you haven't, if you do not, if you're not experiencing that, it's not too late. I hope that after this message today, God would overwhelm you with truth and with his knowledge. So I have titled, well, this is the title God put in my heart. And today we're gonna be we're gonna be reading from Ezekiel chapter three, verses sixteen through twenty-one. The title to this message today, apart from Come Alive, is this is what the Lord says to us, to you individually and as a whole church. I have made you watchmen and women in this city to your families and to the ends of time. During this time in the book of Ezekiel, the people of God had turned their backs on God and his ways. This was the second deportation from the promised land because after so many warnings from the prophets of God, the people of God no longer wanted to hear sound teaching. They forgot that God had said to them through Moses and, other, and others uh, that came after Moses that if they'd obey the Lord and kept his laws and his teachings, they, everything would go well for them. But if they disobeyed the Lord and turned their backs on him, he would remove them from the promised land that he had given them. Now, their hearts had become hard by this time. And the Lord had to clean house. And what I mean clean house was remove them from his land. People, we must understand what the land of Israel, even to this day, means. A lot of us not, are not aware of this right here that I will read to you. The Lord was not done with them, nor was he abandoning them. But as a parent, as a parent, he had to bring discipline to them. You see, church, the land of Israel, just, got, just like heaven is God's throne, the land of Israel is God's throne on the earth. And how can I make sure that you understand this, and how do I prove this to you? I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. God would not let any human being defile the land of Israel. You have read its histories, and you've seen that nations have come against it, and God's people are still there today. 1945, he made them into a nation. But we know that Hitler tried to destroy them and many others. Even to the end of time, that's going to continue. But this is what makes it God's throne on the earth. I hope you all are aware that when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom in the millennial, 
in the thousand-year reign on the earth, where is he coming to? The land of Israel. The Bible says that the same way Jesus left on the Mount of Olives, his foot will touch that mount, and the earth will split when he comes. And he will set up his kingdom for a thousand years and reign from there. And we're going to be with him. That's the beauty of it. So God has given us the message of hope for the nations. And you and I are the watchmen and women of this time and age. In the Old Testament, a watchman was like a sentinel on, a, on the city wall. And his job was to see danger, incoming danger, and warn the people right away. And God has given us a message, a message. And when you, you may not be up here preaching, but each and every one of us is responsible for our own families, right? God has made you a watchman and a, and a woman of God to preach to them. What does a watchman do? You watch over the spiritual growth or decline of your family. We, as leaders in the church and as members of the church, we also watch the spiritual growth and decline of our brothers and sisters. No one is better than the other. Nor is, nor is one more anointed than the other. God has treated us equally with the same love, with the same kindness, and this is what he wants us to understand. Last week, Pastor Lewis brought the word of, of the word of the Lord and talked about the calling God has in each and every one of us. The calling means nothing if it is not activated with action. He talked about how the glory of God was revealed to Ezekiel just as we have been called to display the glory of Jesus Christ by the way we live and love. We also learned that rebellion and disobedience always brings consequences. The people of God wanted the blessings of God and the land, but to live in their own way. God had been warning them for a long time but they got complacent, lazy, and refused to obey God's true prophets and messengers. Though God knew that the people were going to reject Ezekiel's message, the important thing was for Ezekiel to obey. Church and beloved of, of the Lord, the same is true today in many churches and members. Complacency and laziness has crept into the house of God today. Everything seems to be an excuse for not wanting to meet, for not wanting to engage, for not wanting to be around a lot of people. Everything is an excuse. Everything is an excuse. It's an excuse to meet with your own family. Well, I don't know who they were hanging out with, but they're unbelievers. They're lost. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. Did we forget that we were where they're at today? 
Did we forget that they were paid for as much as us? This has become a big issue. And this pandemic is the biggest excuse of it all. Believe me, this has become like a, a green light for not meeting. Look, people on this side, look to your left. What do you see? Emptiness. Emptiness. So whose fault is that? If you have the most powerful message that will rock the earth. The good news of Jesus Christ is not being preached today. At least not how it should be. Maybe one or two people might hear it. But we're just too busy. And we have no time for the lost. Not many, not many, want to engage people personally. Just like the people of Israel stopped doing what God wanted them to do, so many churches and members have forgotten about the Great Commission from our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. When he said the same thing to, to, to us that he told Ezekiel, what did he tell Ezekiel? Go. Go. Well, today, let's look at what the Lord wants to say to us. Now, I want you to understand that this is God's word. Though it was spoken thousands of years ago, it seems like time sometimes and the attitudes of us human beings goes back to that type of thinking and behaviors. And notice that this is the people of God. These were not some unbelievers that didn't know God. These weren't just people who had never heard about his laws and his ways. And we are not people who have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ and are not doing what God told us to do. Now, this is not a message to beat you up. This message is to wake us, including myself, up. God wants to wake us up. He wants you to look and say, why is my house forsaken? Why are you not hurting? Why are you not sad? Why doesn't your heart break? Why aren't you shedding tears? We all have family members right now that we know need hope. We all have family member and children who are going through struggles, who are trying to figure it all out. They're trying to figure it out all by themselves. You know, and the only ones that can reach him is you and I. Nobody else. You're sitting here today, God has appointed you. Nobody here. You don't have to be, you don't have to be, you don't have to know the whole Bible because you have a testimony in your life.
Ezekiel 3.17 says this. Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn the people immediately. Remember that I said this is God's word. Let me rephrase. Church of God, brothers and sisters, I have appointed you as watchmen and women of the Lord. Whenever I... Whenever you receive, I receive a message from the Lord, and God tells us, warn your family, warn your friends, warn your own brothers and sisters, warn each other. Warn immediately. Do not wait when you have offended somebody or somebody has offended you and say, I'll wait till tomorrow to call them. Or if you have a situation in your own home, do not say, oh, I'll talk to him or her later without knowing that he might walk out the door and never come back. Life is very uncertain. God didn't tell us the day we would die. He said it's but a vapor. But God is so good to us. Wouldn't you agree? If you're sitting here today, you are blessed. You are blessed. There are people who have already gone. Even during this week, people died. People died. Family members died. Friends died. Church God speaks to us all day long. But what is it that takes up your time? What is it that we are so busy with that we just don't have the compassion stirring us up? And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with loving your families and engaging them and making sure that your love is growing. And that's beautiful. Yes, God gave us that. The peace of the Lord is so beautiful when you know you belong to him. But he hurts too. He hurts too. You know, I, that just brought a, a song that Keith Green used to sing. He said, he said in his song, that I'm going to like try to reward it. He said, you know, sometimes people come to us and, uh, and, they, and we say to them, God bless you, be at peace. And he said in the song, but all heaven just weeps because we send them off without telling them how much they love us. So look at what he says. This is what Matthew 28, 19, 20 says. Therefore, this is our king talking to us. Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation. How many of us have read this over or heard of it over and over and over and over again? Isn't there like a, a command there? Isn't there an action step? Right? Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Look what he says. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you till the end of time. But how can we teach new disciples if we don't see them? How do we teach new disciples if we're not reaching them? How can we give love if we're not filled with love? How can we show compassion if we stop showing compassion? Isn't there some commands there? Go, and then once you have them, teach. And this is why I said that we are responsible not only as leaders and group leaders and members. This is why we are responsible to look after each other's, um, you know, spiritual lives. You know, we can come here and sometimes, you know, from up here, you can see, you can see um, concerns. You can see concerns. You can see, you can see hurt. You can see pain. You can see confusion. You can see like doubt. And the Lord says, "I promise you, I'm going to be with you, no matter what you go through, until the end of time or the end of your life." It's up to us to believe it. So you and I, church, yes, we have been commissioned like Ezekiel to deliver the message of Jesus Christ to a dying world, our families, and to one another so that we will not fall away during these uncertain times. These are uncertain times. God does not want us to fall away. God does not want us to fall away. Me personally, I need to be here. That's just me personally. This is just me speaking. I cannot be at home. I cannot be at home watching a service. I need to see you physically. I need to know that you're physically alive. Online, I can't see you. Online, I can't see I don't know what you're going through. Online, I can't encourage you except from here, but you might be going through something that you need your brothers and sisters to pray with you about. You can't do it sitting at home. There's too many distractions. You might start watching or you say, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, I, it's going to be recorded, so I'll watch it later. How many of you have said, I'll watch it later, and you missed you miss the message? I have. I have. Oh, I'll, ca I'll catch it later. And I forgot to watch it. So, church, what is happening today in the church, and this message that you are listening to is to make you bolder. This is to make you bolder. This is for you to say, Lord, I sense your presence right now, and I'm hearing your word. I'm listening to the message that you're speaking to me, and you're telling me, son and daughter, I love you. 
God, I love the lost sheep. I love your sons and daughters. I love your family members. And they need me as much as you do. We need to be bolder to proclaim that Jesus Christ was crucified and he has risen from the dead for the sins of the whole world. Be it a pandemic or infirmity, war or earthquakes, we have been told and promised that these things must happen. So why do we act surprised? Why do we act surprised when, when, when the Bible tells you the past, the present, and the future? If you are a child of God and you don't read the word, these things will rock you. These things will make you fearful what's happening today. This will make you stay home and call those that are trying to bring you what God is saying, call them crazy. Oh, you're just a fanatic. They don't do things like that no more. People don't just go out and speak to people face to face. I can show it to you from here, from the phone. No, 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 no. Stay right there. Listen, just listen to this. That's not, that's not how Jesus did it. That's not how Jesus did it. But let me tell you, let me tell you, you are dangerous when you begin to pray and read the word. You are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You are dangerous, seriously dangerous, when you know your identity as a child of the living God. And if you have not accepted the truth, you will find yourself stuck and worried and anxious about many things, about your finances, about your circumstances, what you don't have, without the peace that Jesus said he would give you, that surpasses all understanding. But what would happen, what would happen if during these uncertainties and, you know, rumors of war, Ukraine, are you Russia wanting to maybe uh, invade Ukraine, which is biblical, wars and rumors of wars. This thing is not to, this word is not to make you uh, lay back more, but to say, look, Jesus said be watchful and pray, right? But what I was telling you is that when you, you and I, pick up the torch, the torch of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, the Word of God, and we begin to walk with that Word, we begin to walk with that Word, there is change. There was those that came before us. They've already passed on. Those preachers and prophets and evangelists, Billy Graham, all those, DJ Avila, they're not here no more. 
But you are. Because it's your turn. It's our turn. It's our turn to, to, to do something. So look at this. We always need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we always need the truth that is written in our hearts. That's why I said a lot of us say, well, I don't know how to talk to people. Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to tell them. I don't know the whole Bible. Do you have a testimony of how Jesus saved you? Do you know where you were at before Jesus saved you? Do you know the sin that you were drowning in when Jesus saved you? I know. I was an addict, heroin, crack, weed, liquor, anything that was mind-altering. If it was, was self-destructive, it was going into my body. At the end, at the end, God brought me to the end of myself. And he said, you choose your temporary miserable life or my love and eternal life. And I didn't even know how to make that choice. I said, God, I don't know how to stop doing what I do unless you take over. Unless it's you who takes over me and I get out the way and you control my life, I don't care being a robot for you, God, but I know that I can't change myself. And when I'm reminded of that, I am filled with the most beautiful hope and peace that comes from the only one that could have saved us. And it, and it proves his words. Jesus came to save the lost. And he came to save those who don't think they're lost. But look at what happens. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we begin to grow in the knowledge of God by reading God's word daily, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, the enemy and his foundation, not only in your life, but in the life of your family, begin to shake. When you become a praying church, praying marriages, praying brothers and sisters, the foundations of what's holding your, the members in your family or around you, your friends, your co-workers, begin to shake. Begin to shake. Because the enemy sees who? The king living in you. Just like the man in the gatherings who, who, who had legion, the legion of, uh, of demons inside of him, what was the first thing that demon did? He fell to the ground when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the last time I, I read the word, it said that the same spirit that is in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead it's the same spirit that is in all of us. And you know what happens? When you come filled, they see Jesus Christ in you. They see Jesus Christ in you, and they have nothing to do but to bow. And the kingdom begins to be shaken. Satan has shaken the church up for too long. He has shaken our Christianity 
families. There is so much chaos and hurt and pain. So much confusion. But I tell you, church, when you begin to become that watch, man or woman, in the life of your family, is dangerous. It is dangerous to the enemy because as long as you don't quit, no matter what comes your way, and, and I'm not saying that this is an easy task. That's why Christianity is the hardest life to live. But whoever told you that it was going to be peachy and creamy, haha, good luck with that. I don't know what you're living. That's not, my, that's not, that's not what my Lord said. My Lord said, oh, in this world? Oh, yeah, you're going to have trouble. I had trouble. You're going to have it too. People don't like people. People treat people bad. People have no love for others. Love comes when Jesus and the Holy Spirit of the Father comes to live in us, for God is love. And when his love lives in you, then and only then can you truly love. Everything else is, well, I thought love was things and, you know, goosebumps and, no, that's not love. Don't fool yourself with your emotions. God's love and spirit is real, and he's powerful. One thing that Jesus did promise us was peace in the midst of chaos. Peace. Do you guys know that peace? Do you guys go through har hardships? Do you still have peace? Isn't that the most beautiful thing, which is, is priceless, and the Lord gives it to you freely when you just become his? Look at this, church. The enemy of our souls likes to give black eyes to so many. Some don't know the truth from falsehood. It happened in Ezekiel's time, and it is happening today also. But the beauty is this. You and I have the power of the living Christ living in us. And that makes us a threat to the kingdom of darkness when we become the watchmen and women of God that we are called to be. I don't know about you. But that changes me to want to go to war. It pumps me up to know that I'm not fighting by myself. I have the master who demons and Satan himself had to bow to. I have the master spirit living in me. You have the spirit living in you. The spirit of boldness, the same one that came in the day of Pentecost and filled all the people in that upper room. Well, guess what? We weren't in that upper room but wherever it was that Jesus met you, it was there where he filled you with the Spirit. And let me tell you, our God is not okay with passivity or laybackness that has caught his children blindsided. The enemy is still killing, stealing, and destroying many souls that are not being reached because of us and peace. I know that this can be very scary, brothers and sisters. But to this, we have been caught, called and bought for. Did you, did you forget you were bought? Or, or is your life still yours? Do you own it? Do you still run it recklessly? Do you call your life when you say, you know, Lord, take my life? Is it still your life? Or is take 
my life that truly belongs to you and you paid for. You know, well, take this life that doesn't belong to me no more. What is God stirring up in your heart for now? Truly, what is he stirring up? What is he reminding you of? Is there people coming through your mind? Is there family members coming through your mind? Is there brothers and sisters coming through your mind? I remember these being filled. stirring in your heart? Where is God placing his finger? Matthews 9, 38 to 37 says, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. We know that in the past, Elijah came to God and said, Lord, I'm your only prophet. And, 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 you know, I've done everything you said to do, and they want to kill me. He said that three times to God. What did God say to him? Elijah, are you out your rabbit mind? I have 7,000 others who have not bowed their knee to Baal. When we don't stand up to do what God has called each and every one of us to do, and it starts at home. Start with people at home. Start with your children. Start with your families. One at a time. You don't have to gather them all into a banquet hall. And You need to hear this. Take them one by one. But he, it's so important. He says, so pray to the Lord. Pray. Ask God. Ask God, Lord, if, if this person doesn't want to go with me, put people with me in my life that are not afraid to go out here and speak to the homeless, to the drug addicts, to the hurting, to visit the, the, the orphans and the widows and those in jail, you know, that are so easily forgotten about. You know, God has a lot of sons and daughters in jail, right? The prisons and the jail systems are filled with children and daughters who have surrendered their lives to the Lord. Because I remember I was in jail too. God also spoke to me. You and I are watchmen and women of this time, and the work of the Great Commission is not over. The Master is calling us to pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, I always ask this question. How many people here read the Word of God daily? Raise your hands. I'm serious. Daily. If you don't read the word of God, you have no words of life to give anyone. You're giving them your opinions, your thoughts and suggestions, but they're just merely human words. But when you speak the truth of the word of God, the word of God goes out and it doesn't return to God empty. When you read the word of God to people, when you sit them down for a second, let me show you something 
that word will take root in the life of that person. I know suggestions are good and good advice sometimes, but then they end up where they're at. They, oh, man, you know, it worked for a little bit, but it didn't last. Well, how many of you know that the, the word of God, once it's planted in your heart, I don't care. You mess up, that word is coming back to your mind. Oh, man, God, why do you keep bringing this up? I'm just reminding you, just like I promised you, that the, Jesus said, when I send the helper, he will remind you of everything I said. Does that sound strange? But he does it. But he does it because he loves us. God cares about us so much that it's just so amazing. Though we hurt him with sin, he still wants us. Isn't that beautiful? Though we're, he knows. He knows our weak frame. He knows our sinful nature. And yet, he still says, I love you and I want you. And I still want you to serve me. Don't worry about that, he said, for the day will come when I will transform you in the twinkling of an eye. Don't get caught up in the here and now. It's like a trap. It's like a trap. You know, and look at, look at this. When we begin to read the word of God and to pull out the sword of the spirit, the foundations built by the enemy against our families and neighbors and strangers rock that kingdom of darkness. And it makes the walls of that, dark, that kingdom of darkness to tumble like the walls of Jericho. How many of you want to see the walls of Jericho that are surrounding your families tumble down? How many of you want to put the enemy to flight like the Bible says that one man will chase a thousand and two men will chase 10,000? When you're full of the Spirit of God, they don't see you. They see the power of the living Christ in you that is coming after them. And they can't do nothing but flee. And this is spiritual. This is talking to the spiritual man. The physical, we know that this is going to go away. But this thing must go into the ground so that it can be risen, transformed. So the most beautiful thing is to know that though we serve the Lord, we also one day will put off this flesh. But as you grow in the word of the Lord... There is something that happens. When you read the word of God and you begin to practice what it says, I want you to know something that is so beautiful, and I hope it's happening to many of you. When we were in the world, right, this flesh kind of controlled us. We did stuff we didn't want to. My addiction was bigger than me. I didn't know how to leave it or quit it, right? My unhealthy relationships, whatever it was, led me to more unhealthy relationships. But when the word of God and the spirit of God and the love of Christ filled my heart and he said, wake up, and I was born again, and I began to feed that spirit, that spirit that was born again with the word of God, something happened to my spirit, something happened to my flesh. The spirit man inside put my flesh in check and doesn't let it do what it used to do. No more. 
Is that what you're experiencing? Is your spirit, the spirit that the Lord woke up, controlling your flesh today? That's very important. Only the word of God, the spirit of God can do that. Let me tell you that God removed from me the desire to ever want to pick up a drug, get any get into any type of unhealthy relationships or anything like that. He removed every obstacle that I had in my way. Though I'm still a sinner saved by grace, I'm not in the habit of wanting to practice those things again because I remember the darkness. I remember the loneliness. I remember the emptiness. I remember the pain and the hurt. I remember the tears walking in these below zero weathers outside in the street by myself. Day and night, day and night, the sun would come up and then it would go down. The sun would come up and then it would go down and I was still outside, freezing. Waking up in an abandoned car, parked in the street that was going to be thrown into the junkyard in two days. But there I was, waking up frozen, going to sleep in my addiction, and then waking up like before anybody woke up so I could leave that car and walk myself to Norwegian American Hospital to wash up a little bit and warm up on that little hand, hand heater, the hand dryer. <laughs> that was my heater for a moment. I remember the pain. I remember the darkness. Do you remember yours? Do you remember what you've been brought out from? And maybe some of you have not experienced anything like that. But believe me, you're just as sinful as I was. For all have sinned and fallen short of the, uh, of the glory of God. And if it wasn't because of Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be here today. So as I was, I was reading the word of God this week, I ran across, in the, when as I was studying the word, you know, I, I, I was led to Matthew, you know, where Jesus said, um, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And, it was, and as, I was, as I was reading, I went to that verse, I was looking, I was, you know, studying it, and I ran across uh, an old hymn that was written. Who knows when? Probably in the 17, 1800s. And this is, this is what the hymn says. This is what God says. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work the fields? All my children want to sit at my table, but none of them wants to work my fields. We all want the blessings. We all want the mansions in heaven. We want all the good things, right, that God has promised us. But who's working the fields? When everybody wants to be home in heaven, in the mansion, who's working to bring more souls to the Lord? The same ones that he paid for. Ezekiel 3.18 says, If I warn the wicked, saying, You are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. 
You see the responsibility? And I will hold you responsible for their debts. What? God, did you just say something like that? What? God saved us for a purpose. He saved us not to be okay with what is happening to people. God loves his creation. And he especially, he loves people. And that's what we got to get back to, church. We got to get back to loving people, loving one another. Put all those differences to the side. Get, stop pointing the finger and being judgmental, thinking yourself to be better. Well, I'm not like that. I never did that. You've already, you're already sinned against God when you do that. You commit the same sin that Satan committed, which was pride. The same sin that cast Satan from heaven, which was pride. Sometimes we don't realize it sneaks up on us. Today you are a child of God, and through Jesus Christ, we are growing into a relationship and in the knowledge of the Lord. But Jesus said, Jesus said to, to Jesus said, I'm all my father's always busy, and I'm always busy. So he says to us, I need you to be about my father's business. Because he calls us brothers. He calls us sons. We are adopted. But we just need to be encouraged. We just need to, to bring the, the word back into our lives, in our personal lives. We need to read the Bible. I'm telling you that it's the, the most amazing book I've ever read. I like books. But there's nothing like this book. It does exactly what it says it will do. It will convict you. It will bless you. It will encourage you. It will warn you. It will bring you hope because there are letters written from our God to you personally, to all of us. And that's, I mean, think about it. Think about it. How beautiful is it that the living God, the only God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, how beautiful it is when he says, you are the apple of my eye in spite of your mess. You are the apple of my eye. And I love you so much to see you destroy yourself or see you destroy. But my heart hurts too. I didn't just die for you. I died for the whole world. I paid for everybody. And now that we have received that responsibility, we are to warn. Now, I understand this too. We cannot convince people, right? How many of you have, have tried to be, you know, tried to make somebody feel guilty, right? Or more sinful. Or, or you have uh, made yourself to be a little, I'm a little better than people today. It's scary to even have those thoughts. I try to every day as I'm reading and praying and I run across God's word and I say, Lord, 
I am no different. I am no different from those who failed you before. The only difference today is that today we are filled with the Spirit. Today we have the conviction of the Lord in our hearts. And he says, come to me. Ah, get over here with that mess. What, you just messed up? Repent, turn away from it, don't do it again. And come on, don't beat yourself up. And don't beat others up. Even the unbeliever, don't beat them up. Instead, share your testimony. Hey, you know, I can relate to you in that. But if you don't relate to a person, at least we are related in something. We're sinners saved by grace. That we cannot deny. We cannot force anybody to accept the message, right? We can't. But we are called to go and give it. God did not give us the power to change nobody. I know, I know that that's been a human struggle for like ever. The woman wants to control the man, and the man wants to step on the woman. Que no, que no lo hago. God, you know, whatever it is, I'm not doing it. Nope, 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 I don't care. You're not my boss. You don't know me. What? But then God says, hey, 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 unity and love is what I've given you. The wills are always fighting, but the spirit of God brings unity and peace when we obey. We know we're messed up. I say to Nancy all the time, hey, I'm screwed up. You know, I'm screwed up up here sometimes. But don't take, don't, don't, don't take anything I say to you to the heart. You know, I like to joke. And then she gets serious fast. I'm like, come on, you know, give me a break. You've known me to be this way. Why does it have to be like a serious thing now? But sometimes I got to catch myself. Sometimes she's not even a good joke. <laughs> but you know what's beautiful? God loves us. Matthew 35, 36 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the, of the area, and teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds, he, was, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When we look at one another, right? Because all of us go through struggles. All of us have hurts, you know, that sometimes are really deep. And God wants to deal with them. God, God wants to deal with those hurts and habits. And the thing is, when we look at people, see, there we go again, looking at people. Do you have, what do you feel? Do you feel, do you feel um, compassion? Do you feel bad for their condition? And if you do, what do you do about it? Do you leave them like that? Well, <laughs> they should have never got into that lifestyle. That's not my culpa. That's not my fault. Those are your choices. That's why you're getting the consequences that you're getting. Is there compassion in that? Is there love? There isn't, right? But we're quick to do that, right? We're quick to tell people what they should be doing. 
So look at what the Lord has spoken us today. What are you doing? What are you doing that I cause you to do? Ezekiel 3.19 says, if you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sin. So see, there's a difference when you go and tell them, right? Now, don't say, I'm going to go and tell them to get, my, get it off. Say, oh, God, I told them. I told them. I told them. Said, and walk away. Check up on them. God already knows who will repent and who's not going to. Our job is not to figure that out. Our job is to warn them, warn each other, warn ourselves. <clears throat> Jesus still loves them, and he wants to save them. What about you? Is there family members that you think they shouldn't be saved? That's an ugly, that's an ugly question. You know, sometimes we have... Family members who probably did something or said something that sank into the heart. And you can't find a way to let it out. Remember that Jesus said, forgive as you have been forgiven. Give as you have been given. There's nothing... There's nothing that we have ever done, said, or will do that the Lord holds against us. I want you to think about this. Some of us are pretty advanced in years. We're not in the prime of our life. No, no, no. We are closer to the grave than many others. But I want you to think about this for a second. What can we do while we're here? What will God use you to do? God loves us so much. But then again, I understand. I understand that we have family members. When they see you coming, they'll turn off the lights, close the curtains, silence the phone, and even muffle their kids. And they don't want to let you in. And you see the car. You see the car. <laughs> you could even smell the food. But nobody's home. I understand we got families like that. Oh, no, here he goes, Mr. Holier Than Thou. <laughs> there he goes. Or here she comes. His mom is at the door. You know what she's going to talk about. You know, you know what's beautiful? As Nancy and I were studying the other day, I understand that we can't reach everybody, you know, like by faith, right? But then I said to Nancy, Nancy, you know, since I was reading this word, like I was speaking, and he's saying, hey, you need, to, you need to start with your family, start with your brothers and sisters, right? And if they don't listen, then just keep moving. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? Nancy, I said, I'm going to make a text. I'm going to make a group text with my siblings, my brothers and sisters, and I am going to text them 
what God puts on my mind. And she was like, oh, boy. She's like, oh, no. Don't do something like that. You're going to overwhelm him. And you know what I said? Oh, man, you are right. Because it's me when I see a long text. Long text and like, 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 like. Boy, do I be like, oh, man, I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that. And it overwhelms me. It might be important. And I'll skip it because it's so long. Can you imagine if I'm trying to share what God puts on a piece of paper? You know, believe it or not, you see these uh, three papers right here, four papers? When I was writing with a pen, with a pen on, a, on a notebook, it was like ten sheets, right? And I'm like, man, God, that's a lot you want to say. But when it took me like six hours to type them, because, you know, I'm not a typer, I kid you not, it turned into this. And I was like, man, God, you got a sense of humor. You have me over here thinking I'm going to talk a lot of this. You just want to you let your people know that you want us to be busy. So Nancy said to me like this, why don't you do something? Why don't you write a letter? And since there's eight of them, put it in an envelope and just give it to them. Why do we want to write it? Because a letter is more heartfelt than a text. Texts are misunderstood. Ooh, man, they'll start firing back. And you meant nothing but nice stuff. They're firing back. And I said, wow. God just put that in your heart. I'm over here reading text, but I don't like texting anyway. I don't even call, you know. Unless it's like for work or something like that. Once in a while, Jesus will call me and stuff. He's supposed to call me every day, but he forgets. <laughs> uh, but uh, I have to be careful. I'm like, it's a reminder. So uh, the thing is that it, it gave me an idea. I said, you know what? I might not be able to go and talk to 100 homeless people, but I know where they're at, Right? Why not take a letter, you know, because the fast, during fasting, the Bible says share your food, share your clothing. Um, this is the fast I like, God said. You know, break the yoke that oppress people. Bring them the good news. Tell them, you know, and I said, wait a minute. We could write, like, you know, as a church, we could write personal testimonies. The la you know, ladies have testimonies. Give those to men when we go, when we go meet them where they're at. Men can write their testimonies. It doesn't matter which one falls into what hand. It might be exactly what that person might need to hear about the love of Jesus Christ and what he did for you through one of those letters. And then, you know what? We don't have to write 100 letters. We can print them. How do you like that? Right? Write one. Print it. Right here, there's like 25, 30. Di no, maybe not 30. But right here, and whoever's watching, there is 20, at least 20-something 20 testimonies to be told to a dying world. If you're, if you're struggling, that's a testimony so that the world does not think that we have it all together. We're just children. 
that God has saved and we're happy to belong to who we belong to. And we want them to understand that God wants them the same way. Ezekiel, now this goes to the righteous. That was to warn the wicked. Remember that? There's only two verses addressed to the righteous. If a righteous, if, if righteous people, pay attention to this, if righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. This is God's word. If you do not warn them, that's why the Bible says for us to, um, it says, brothers, if, let me finish this verse. If you do not warn them, they will die in their sins. None of their righteous deeds will be remembered. Wow, what? God said right here to Ezekiel, tell the people, I don't care what good things they did. If they turn their back on me, just as I throw the, your sins as east is from the west, I will catch what you call righteousness as far as east is from the west, as though you never committed them. But today, the blessing is that we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ that God is not going to throw away from us. That should be an encouragement. Well, look at what Galatians 6 1 says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore that person how? Ooh. That word gently is very key. We can be pretty fat. We can be pretty quick to tell people, right? You heathen. You you sinner, right? But these are brothers and sisters you're talking to. Sometimes we can be offensive. And it, Jesus said it is impossible not to offend. People get offended with the truth. People get offended with the lying. People, man, us human beings, we're so touchy, emotional. Like, you shouldn't have said that. I heard it. I don't like you. I don't like the way you you look at me. It's my face. You know? Um, and uh, that reminds me, <laughs> when I was going through, through uh, recovery, there was a, you know, the superintendent of the, the recovery, he had gone through it too. And he said that when he first went to the halfway house, you know, there was a, you know, he was always mean mugging, walking all around, looking all crazy. And uh, like the president of the recovery just looked at him daily, daily, looking at him like, man, what's wrong with this guy? Man, he's mean mugging. And one day he stopped him and he said to him, why you always mean mugging? Don't you know you're already ugly? You know, and that sometimes can be the attitude that we have. And you know, we have the love of Christ in us. Reach the lost. Reach your family. Help your brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to be honest with you. If there's something going on with you, or any of you, as an elder of the church, the Bible says that 
if, a, if, a, if somebody is feeling sick, if somebody needs prayer, the Bible gives us instruction and it says, go to the elders of the church and they will pray for you and the supernatural will, help, will, will heal you. Jesus Christ will heal you. It's not my power, but God has done something in us and your leaders and you who are leaders of small groups or even people who serve. You guys have the same power that is, that is from Jesus Christ himself to be able to pray for people and find healing. And that is true. That is true. But if you don't say nothing, don't expect us to guess it. When there's turmoil or whatever it is in your life and you say nothing, how are we going to know? Right? But if you simply come and say, brother, you know, there's a, there's a struggle, you know, there's something going on and Maybe you don't want to get into full detail, but you just want prayer. That's what we're here for. Pastor Luis, me, Mario, at least during this season, because God has called us and anointed us to do, to do that for him. We don't have some special nothing. We have the same spirit that you have. So... Last verse says, in closing here, Ezekiel 3.21. But if you warn the righteous people not to sin, and they listen to you and do not sin, they will live, and you will have saved yourself too. Hebrews 12.9 says this. Since we respect that our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? God disciplines us every day, and he loves us. Today, the Lord has told you, you are my watchman, and you are my, um, my watchman and warrior. I have anointed you to go and reach the lost. I have anointed you to, to bring changes to your family. I have anointed you to see change in your children. I have anointed you to represent me on the earth. Church, you are loved. You are loved beyond words to express. And let me tell you, your heart should be joyful. This message could have been anything else, but because the times are what they are, and Many churches have begun to, well, you know, oh, no, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. I'm okay with God. Let somebody else do it. God says, no. You're further from me than they are. Because it was you who I personally chose to, to, to reach your sphere. Those people who are around you every day. Only you can reach them, your family, and anybody else, your friends, your co-workers. And you, remember what I told you. We are only to bring the message. 
We are not here to force it, to um, convince. No, that's not our job. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit brings change. All we have to do is obey. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand up. People of God, you are truly loved. And if God didn't love you, he wouldn't give you this message. You are loved like beyond words to, to describe. And this message was for you out of love. Not judgment. Not to make you feel guilty. No. It's just a wake up. It's just a wake up. God's saying, my heart hurts. My heart hurts because I want you to reach those that are, that are still waiting for me to hear the voice that I gave you this week, Lord. And if you are, if you are new to the gospel, you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you, the relationship with Jesus Christ is not just uh, uh, Lord come into my heart because, you know, they're telling me to repeat this prayer. Um, and yes, now I'm saved and now my name is written in the book of life. No. I would not, I would not, I dare not tell you such a thing that is a, a three-step prayer to the Lord. When you hear the good news of Jesus Christ and he tells you, man or woman, son or daughter, I have loved you before I created the earth. And I always had plans for you. The choices you make in life do matter to me. Because it will bring consequences or joy to your life. But more than that, I want you to know that I formed you. That it was my hand that made you. And I've always wanted you to be with me. All I'm asking you is for one thing. Let me in. Let me in so you can know who I am. Let me in so you can know true love and have a hope, not only in this life, but in the life to come. I want you to walk with me. I, wanna, I, want, I want to become your best friend. I want to become your big brother. I want to become your first love. I want to be your everything. Nothing in this earth will satisfy you. Not material things, nor even a human being can bring satisfaction and completeness to your life. But the Lord says to you, I made you. And I, and I made a place in your heart. It's called my throne room. 
And when you let me sit there, then I will make you complete. And your satisfaction will be in me. Church, if some of you have felt a little backslidden, the Lord reminds you, my child and my daughter, you're already mine. Let me love you like I've always loved you. Love me in return and remember me. Remember the length that I went to. The price that was so high to pay. For you, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't cast me to the side. Don't tell me you don't have time for me. Love me. Spend time with me. Read my letters to you. They're full of hope and love. Maybe all you see is religion. Maybe you see rules and regulations. But I tell you, that's not what my letters are. My letters are full of love and hope for you. Not only for this life, but for the life to come. Take my message today that I have spoken to you and begin to write them in the hearts of your loved ones, your friends and coworkers, and to those that are still in the valley of the shadow of death. And remember that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear for I am with you. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your encouragement and your love. For there is no pit too deep that you have not gone deeper still to rescue those whom you love. Brothers and sisters who are listening online, return home. Return to the house where God started you at. Begin to come back and sit in these seats so that you can be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters. For you are the body of Christ. And because you're not here, your brothers and sisters lack the gift that you are keeping to yourself. Come. Come and be my body again. Come and engage one another and share your loving gifts with each other. For it is only and only then that this little small location here can be complete, as complete as it can be, because I need you. But you have to let me, church, get a hold of you. Make time for me, Lord. Give me your all. Give me the most important offering, which is your love. Give me your heart. I've asked you for nothing else except to love me. You were not made for yourself. You were made for me. Give me what belongs to me, says the Lord. And 
let me change you. I know what you go through. But I'm still with you. My presence is with you all day long until the day that I come to get you. My spirit lives in you. I've never walked away. I'm here now. I'm here now. Reach out your hands to me. And let me change you by filling you with my love. Father, we love you. We love you, Master Jesus, and the work that you did on the cross in completeness. Nothing needs to be added or taken away. We thank you for filling us with your precious presence and Holy Spirit today. Thank you for your message to all of us, where I too am included. If my brothers and sisters see me doing something I'm not supposed to, I expect them, Lord, to also rebuke me and to correct me. For you know that I'm a sinner saved like gra by grace. And I depend on you and you alone. May we all live this way, Lord God, and love you forever. We lift up our brothers and sisters that are sick. We lift up our brothers and sisters who are financially struggling. Oh, Lord. Just like you said, bring the whole tithe into my house so that there be, may be food for everyone. How are we going to know the needs of our brothers and sisters if they don't open their mouths? Please, Father, we know that you are the provider. And you said it is better to give than to receive. And we believe you, Lord. But the heart of our giving is the giving of our hearts. Thank you for today. We lift up Pastor Lewis as he's preaching at Midway. Anoint the message with you, with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for the worship team, for the tech deck, for Magali in the foyer. And even your sons and daughters who made a way to be listening to you online. But to come here personally in the surprising snow that you sent us. <laughs> thank you for that too. We thank you for all your work, oh God. For the good and the bad. Because all of it has purpose. Thank you. Thank you for reviving us. And making us aware again today. I hope this message will go into practice, Lord. And that it will not just be, the, be another feel good. Lord, help us to put it into practice. That's what we pray for. Father, we love you and we praise you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church of God said, amen. amen. And praise God. With your